Don't grieve, dump the garbage, and be sweet. Details next on Truth For Today. Join us. Hi there, and again, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 is where we begin our time together today, series called Ethics of a New Life. We're looking at the idea that we are to be dumping garbage, we are to be sweet, and we are not to grieve. Seems like an odd mix, but it's all here in our text, as we'll see. Won't you join us? From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, Let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard, as we begin today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Look at Ephesians, the ethics of the new life, and we'll just pick up from verse 29, and we'll read to the end of the chapter, and we'll pick up three other remarkable principles. We're going to be talking about grieve not, empty the trash can, and cheer up, be sweet. That would take nothing less than the Holy Spirit for most of us. Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness all rage, all anger, all brawling, all slander, along with every form of malice, and it's the word badness, every form of moral badness. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. If we had time, we'd pick up verses one and two. They go right together, but for the sake of our subject and time, we just stop there. Three absolutes for the believer's moral, ethical life. You must, you must, no matter what the ethics are, be getting along with the Holy Spirit. Whatever you do, even if there's not been a rule written about it, uh, if the Holy Spirit doesn't give you peace about it, you can't do it. You shouldn't do it. So there is a divine person involved in our moral, ethical life. Not just code legislation written in stones, but there is that third person of the Godhead who is very sensitive to our holiness, our right behavior, and will go off like a buzzer in a car that you set, you know, make it go off if I go beyond 65 and the buzzer comes on. The Holy Spirit, he is there just to let you know you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that word. You shouldn't have that attitude. And it's not always written down, but there is a divine person involved with the moral behavior of all of our lives. And he's the one we really have to get along with. He's the umpire. He calls you out or safe. And then we've got to be sure, and we've been dealing, as we've been dealing with the put-offs and the put-ons in this passage, you've got to get rid of the garbage in your life. And we'll be looking at what that garbage is. And then he tells us to put on 
put on the beauty of Christ. And he defines it three ways. Get along with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that. It's an interesting thing, this phrase, grieve not the spirit. It comes right out of Isaiah 63. And what Isaiah is talking about is that God's presence led the children of Israel out of Egypt into the wilderness. Well, as you look at the narrative in Isaiah 63, God's presence is said to be the Holy Spirit was in charge. Christ the rock led them. And then Isaiah brings his spirit was involved in this leading them out of Egypt. But he's rehearsing their history in Isaiah. And he said, but they grieved his spirit. They rebelled, they murmured, they complained, they fell into sin, uh, all kinds of wilderness problems. And he said the effect of it all was it was grieving the Holy Spirit. And Paul just pulls this right out of Isaiah 63. And he's telling these believers, be sure in your earthly pilgrimage towards heaven, don't you make the same mistake Israel made in the wilderness to grieve God's spirit with unbelief, complaining, always bickering with Moses. Be sure that that spirit is not made sorrowful, that he's not made sad, which tells you how personally involved God is in your behavior. You, by the way you act, can make God's spirit sad. You can make his spirit sorrowful in you. And sometimes when you feel you've done everything right, and all of a sudden somebody in here doesn't feel comfortable with what I'm doing. There's a sorrow in me I can't explain. It might be you did something that's grieving the Holy Spirit. Have you ever won the argument with your wife and things still weren't right? Have you ever gone to the math that I am right and after you won the argument, you really lost her? Because of the manner you got the victory, maybe you didn't treat her as kindly as you should have. You weren't as considerate. You may be with another individual. You're always going to win. You're always going to get it. But when the Holy Spirit's involved... Winning isn't everything, it's doing it God's way, even if it means submitting to suffering. And so he uses this to them to say that the presence of God is in the midst of his people, just like he was with Israel in the wilderness. And uh, if you chase the, or rather track the presence of God out in the Bible, here it was back in Eden, they sinned. The Spirit of God, you, you would know no place on the earth where you could go where God's presence would be uh, demonstrated, that you could just go. But eventually God gave Israel in the wilderness a tabernacle and an ark of the covenant, and he said, I will dwell, my presence will dwell over the ark of the covenant. This omnipresent God says, I will manifest my blessing in certain places. Not I'm just everywhere spatially, but I relationally will manifest what the Hebrews call the Shekinah glory of God. Well, it rested there in the tabernacle. They moved into the land. The tabernacle is disbanded. You remember they put the Ark of the Covenant down at the house of Obed-Edom. And the word got out how his house was being blessed because of the Ark. 
When David became king, he says, I'm going to build a place to keep the ark. Bring the ark back to Jerusalem. They do that, and out of that, David begins accumulating the wealth and making the plans to build a temple, a dwelling place in Jerusalem where God's Shekinah glory will be manifest. They built that temple under Solomon. And if you read Ezekiel, Ezekiel 8 through 11, he tells that because Israel went into sin and idolatry, God gives Ezekiel this vision that God's presence moved from the Holy of Holies to the threshold of the outer court. He kept watching God's presence move to the outer regions of the city limits. And as he watched, the glory left the land. A picture that the sin of the people had driven off the presence of God to bless. And now they would be scattered to Assyria and Babylon and there would be no place on the earth where you could go and expect God to show up like at the tabernacle or the temple. This temple language is loaded for the Jewish mind. Temple means God shows up, God's presence. He showed up again when he tabernacled in Jesus, the spirit. He was full of the spirit and the glory of God. God tabernacled among us, John said. But as Paul was writing Ephesians 2, he says in chapter 2, notice. Uh, look at verse 19, 2.19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And this word holy here, it was used of the inner sanctuary, right? The holy of holies. They had two words for temple. One was outer court, one was inner, inner sanctum. And he uses, you have become the inner sanctum where God displays his divine presence and glory. Watch. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Where can you find God's presence on the earth today? At his temple. And what is his temple? Two things. Turn with me. I want you to see this. I've taken a little time. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. I'm listening. I don't hear any paper. Be turning. Yeah. We got Bibles. I want you to see it in the Bible. Preachers pass away. The word of the Lord never passes away. Amen. Verse 16. 3.16. Not John 3.16. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you know that you yourselves, plural, it's a plural, are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? Notice he's not talking about a building, but he's talking about the people. You people, you believers here, Jews and Gentiles, placed in this body called the church, the called out people of God, don't you people know that God lives in the midst of you? Not a location, not Jerusalem, not 
Mecca, not D.C., not what, no physical place, but where the people of God are, God dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you, plural, this local church, you are that temple. Now, I believe here the emphasis is a local church full of believers constitutes a dwelling place of God, and it gives the warning. Do not ever meddle with one of God's temples, lest God destroy you. He'll protect his own property. We've been going through a little bit of threats here lately. Different people have been coming here, writing threatening mail, putting threatening things on cars, sitting in our congregation, writing threatening letters. I warn you on the authority of God's word, God is someone you don't want to mess with. He will not be mocked. He will have the final word. And it says to all of us, if you ever want to fuss, never fuss with a local church. We have our misunderstandings. We have conflict that has to be settled biblically, but never intentionally work to undo one of God's temples, a local church. Now he moves it down to us in chapter six, same book, verse 18. Same book, look at verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Now he poses an important question. Do you not know that your body, your physical body, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, is a place where God is chosen to indwell, to manifest his presence? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And so what is he saying here? He's warning the saints about all these relational sins, bad speech, out of control anger, uh, maybe stealing and not working. And there are sins against one another. But he says, remember, if you sin against a member of the body of Christ, it's against God. Did you know that if you bad mouth a fellow believer, you're bad mouthing a member of the body of Christ? Did you know if you steal from the brother or sister, it's wrong to steal from anybody, but just take it back to brothers and sisters. If you bad mouth, if you cursed, if you stole, if you got angry enough to sin against a brother or sister, your sin is never just against them, it's against who they belong to. We're members one of another. You remember, I, it is astounding to me that when Saul was going to Damascus to kill Christians, that the Lord Jesus stops him on the road and says, why are you persecuting me? Now, where was Jesus? He was in the third heaven. But he intercepts this man and says, what you do to believers at Damascus, you're doing to me in heaven. And so he brings this point of contact for us believers. Whatever we do in our ethical behavior towards one another, 
attitudes, actions, whatever. The Holy Spirit is there as I picture it as a guarding mother over fussing kids. Stop, stop. You're all my children and I will not tolerate you hurting one another or mistreating each other as long as I'm alive and pulls the kids apart. And this is the Holy Spirit, the one who's guaranteed our salvation, the one by whom we've been sealed into Christ until the day we see Christ. Don't do anything to grieve the Spirit. And I must say, the Spirit is grieved in much of what goes on among believers. The rumor mill, gossip, uh, attitudes, refusing to submit to authority, bad-mouthing leadership, uh, always complaining about God's people. We don't do this good enough. We don't do that good enough. And neither do you. It wouldn't be any better if you did it and we can't get you to do it. So don't ever be critical of someone in the trenches trying to do it. Maybe you could teach third grade boys a lot better than the present teachers, but are you available? We will devour one another according to Galatians. If we bite and chew in criticism, Galatians says, beware lest you be consumed one of another. And who's the arbitrator? Who's going to win? The Holy Spirit. And I've got to get along with you so I don't make the Spirit sorrowful. And he's the one we want to woo. He's the one we don't want to bring any sorrow to. Because when he gets sorrowful, guess what he's going to do? He's going to make you sorrowful. And he says to get you to change your stubbornness and your obstinate views, he says God makes godly sorrow take place in his own children to get them to repent of wrong attitudes. 2 Corinthians 7.10 Godly sorrow produces repentance that results in deliverance. And sometimes the Spirit just puts enough sorrow in my life to give up wrong views, wrong attitudes, and of all things, get right with a brother or sister. So the leading ethic in the midst of all of these commands is the Holy Spirit is right in the middle of all of our ethical behavior. Second thing, notice what he's going to tell them to do. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. Um, let me give you a definition. Bitterness means resentment or hate. Aristotle described it as the attitude that creates a lasting wrath, hard to reconcile, and sustaining anger for a long time. The bitter person full of resentment is the most difficult person you ever have to deal with. Because the moment you meet them, they're against you over something you didn't do. You met an already mad person. You met a person that's already filled with whatever. They wouldn't forgive this person. They wouldn't forgive that person. It's the big danger I see with people who've been divorced and want to remarry quickly. And they take all of that hate sometimes, all of the resentment, 
and all of the pain they've never released from the last relationship to a new one. And the new person has to live with this bitter person that they had nothing to do with making bitter. You see this sometimes when people come from one church to another. They're mad at everybody at the other church and they stay mad for three years in the new church. Because they're just mad. They've gone into bitterness and they've poisoned their soul. Bitterness, I believe, is anger held over too long. And resentment builds up. Um, I've had people come into the office and uh, I'll hear statements like this. All you men are terrible. How'd you like that? It's counseling with a woman and she just starts in. Can I help you? She made the appointment. Yes. First of all, I just want you to know I can't stand men. Well, uh, last I checked, I'm a man. What are you doing here? I just can't stand you men. Well, why don't you go see a woman? Well, you don't charge. <laughs> oh, okay. At least I'm free. Uh, because they're bitter, resentful towards one whole segment of the race. And men would say the same. Kids can't stand parents. Parents can't stand kids. On and on and on. Can't stand races. Can't stand this. Can't stand the rich. Can't stand the poor. Just you got something that you're poisoned about inside. Oh, and we're always dealing with those ghosts with you. We never get to deal with the present because you've brought all the ghosts of every hurt in your past to every present situation. And we never get a clean slate. We're guilty going in. It is hard to have a relationship with people full of bitterness. Besides, the spirit is grieved. I use the analogy here, you need to empty the garbage can. Years ago, uh, the board of this church told my wife and I, you need counseling in your family. You're going through lots of sorrows. Uh, the church wants you to get this counseling. So we found a counselor and uh, happened to be a, a pastor's wife over in Pleasant, Pleasanton, California. And uh, a, a charming and a wise woman. And uh, when we begin to talk to her and She's drawing out what the issues are. And some way, in a discerning way, after she heard this for a while and heard the scenarios, talked to the children, talked to Carolyn, we're all there. All of a sudden, she just made this line that I've never forgot. She says, it sounds to me like this family needs to empty the garbage can. I thought, I'm not at the Richmond Sanitary District dumps. What do you mean? She said, it sounds to me like you're carrying around a whole lot of garbage that's poisoning your family. Do you ever empty the garbage of your heart? Jesus says good people store good things in the treasure chest of their heart. Bad people treasure bad things. That's where the bitterness and the, they know every offense. They know every fault. They can seldom remember good. Because what you choose to remember will reveal what your character is. Good people choose to treasure good things. Bad people treasure bad things. And she said, she said, let's just empty the trash can right here on this table and let's get rid of the garbage. 
And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time together has come to a close here, but as we leave you, we'd like to do so with our address and phone number if you'd like to contact us, and we would love to hear from you. You see, Truth For Today airs here on KFAX in part through financial partnerships with our listeners, such as yourself. If the Lord is prompting you to make either a one-time gift or be a monthly donor, we would love to hear from you. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. Please take a moment and contact us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And as our way of saying thank you for your partnership with us, we'll make you a TFT sustainer, which includes our quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional, into your email box every week. Again, it's all part of our TFT Sustainers Package. Contact us and learn more at 855-833-9864, or simply stop by our website, valleybible.org. And you can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As you stop by our website, valleybible.org, please remember other resource materials are available there. Other series is taught by Pastor Phil, some of the books that he's authored. You can also find out about Valley Bible Church, who we are and what we believe, how to get here, times that we worship, and you're more than welcome to join us. Again, you'll find it all at valleybible.org. Stop by and pay us a visit. Then drop us an email and let us know you did pay us a visit. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. 